This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. You know, we can probably argue whether a team takes on the identity of its head coach, right? That age-old adage. But I don't think there's any dispute that as of recently, Cardinals Underground has really taken on the identity of Danny Sarek and some of the other things that have gone on. Whether it was last week. Where is this going? Just you nearly took a header, a face plan outside meeting the noon GM. It's always something. I mean, Danny's sort of her own Seinfeld, sort of her own Larry David here. (laughs) Is that a compliment or an insult? Not sure. There's just... (laughs) I'm trying to figure it out on the fly, yeah, actually. That's, that's, I like that. Figure it out on the fly, yeah. exactly. I mean, she we'll was, let you know at the end of the podcast. It's Amy. not like you're exempt, Darren. She just made a comment about your attire. <laughs> you know, everything that goes on here gets filtered through Danny somehow, some way. Like you, I, what you wore to work. Yeah. I complimented Darren. He's wearing a green long sleeve shirt, and I, I, I think how I spent, is that a compliment? Well, you said, I said I like your. <laughs> no, no, no. Like never came out of your mouth. You said, "Have you ever wore? Is that a new shirt? I've never seen you wear that before." We spend too much time together, That's one and example. you're wearing green, so now I'm screwed up for I did, some reason. I said the vibes were off because normally you're in Cardinals gear or red. I do like the green. It's just really throwing me off. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that I took over this podcast, apparently. Yeah, well, it happened. Well, we're trying to plan on the announcement of a new Cardinals head coach, and it was uh, surmised by our own Jim Omohundro, fine executive producer around here, that it will only happen on one of the two days that you have off here over the next week or so. Once again, just going through the prism that is Danny Sarek. <laughs> yours truly, merely Polly podcast over here. Darren Urban over there. It is Cardinals Underground. And off we go here as uh, maybe just maybe the most recent and latest news as of this recording that Dan Quinn is flying in reportedly for a second interview might be moving the meter in Dallas because apparently both Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones have canceled their radio appearances. Uh-oh. Unlike us, they, uh, you know, they're not going to go in front of the microphone because maybe for the second straight year they're trying to retain the services of Dan Quinn, who is in demand, as already interviewed in other spots. So as we do this whole musical chairs of coaches and coaching candidates and available openings five and all, Darren, where do you start? Where does your mind start right now in regards to the Arizona Cardinals? Maybe how would you handicap it if you were your own mm-hmm. Vegas odds maker? What, is there a leader in the clubhouse right now? I would have no idea on that. I mean, what, what struck me at the at the beginning of the week, the outset of the week, as we've we kind of moved in here, the idea that D- Dan Quinn could be getting this second interview. Although, you know, again, how much of the first interview was significant he talked to the cardinals apparently virtually over the weekend it was right before he coached in the game so maybe that was more of a touch base thing so is the second interview truly a second interview like we like to talk about second interviews or is this more like okay we it, we we figured out it was worth having a, a real in-person interview more so yeah, could be uh the sean payton news that they're gonna 
interview Sean Payton. I, I maybe that gets my attention more than anything because I'm surprised about that at this point. To be honest, I didn't think that that was going to happen, and I, I I don't know. It just it seems it seems like the way this is all played out. That just seems like an odd thing for me right now. What if I was to reverse engineer this, and and I'll just throw out names and literally throw them out of the process and just see where we end up. Okay, here we go. D'Amico Ryan's canceled on the Cardinals and the Colts, ostensibly because how do you do four coaching interviews on the eve of an NFL playoff game? But maybe just maybe because he had the Houston interview and he spent a decade there and as a team captain and by far the fans' choice in Houston, maybe he had that meeting in Houston and they said, you know what, we're not letting you get out of the building, so to speak. And it's possible for that. I will also say that as we're in the middle of this podcast – no coaches that are currently coaching in the playoffs can interview this entire week. Correct. So if if the Ryan's interview gets rescheduled, which we're wondering if that's even going to be possible now, the earliest it could be would be next Monday. Okay. So I, I'm I'm putting them on the outside looking in. Which right is too now. bad because I kind of I was intrigued by that idea. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say you know what uh, Denver defensive coordinator Jero Averro, right? And, and oh, right off the tongue. Right and, off the tongue for Paul. And Lions DC, Aaron Glenn. I, we just haven't heard enough noise about them. Okay, they're in the mix. I don't think they're getting serious consideration right now. That's just me. I'll put them on the outside looking in. Let's see who else here. Um, Vance Joseph. I, my gut feel is the team feels like it needs to go outside the organization. That being the case, even though I consider Vance a fine candidate, and very much qualified, and he's in another group that I'll detail here in a moment. I'm going to put him on the outside looking in. That leaves us with Frank Reich, who was interviewed. I'm guessing because most of the most of the candidates are of the defensive persuasion that Frank Reich um, maybe isn't that guy. If anything, I think Frank Reich might be an offensive coordinator. That's just a gut feel. So where does that leave us? That leaves us with Brian Flores. Elizabeth was Dan Quinn and Sean Payton. Sean Payton, I'm thinking too much money, too much in terms of assets you got to give the Saints, and he probably wants too much control. Three strikes and you're out, not to mention that he's negotiating with the two wealthiest ownership groups in the NFL in terms of Walmart money and Denver. Wouldn't you have already known this before you decided to talk to him this week, yeah. though? Hedge fund money in Carolina. I also get the feeling that maybe Peyton is still trying to trying to stir up other teams to create leverage. Maybe, just maybe. Once again, this is just through my filter this time, Danny, okay? So I'm throwing him on the outside. I think it's down to Brian Flores and Dan Quinn. I feel the same way, Darren, when it comes to Sean Payton. I think it's more of there's been this swirl and his name has been everywhere. Let's at least interview him and see what he has to offer, see what he has to say. I agree with you also, Paul, about Vance Joseph. Not to say that he wouldn't be a good candidate for the job. The Cardinals went out out of house with your GM. I could see them making the same sort of move with the coach and most of the coaching staff if you're really trying to change things, which is the feel that I get because it seems like you're going from an offensive players head coach in Cliff Kingsbury and they are interviewing what seems to be more of the by the books defensive head coaches and I think what would make I would imagine what would make all these candidates with those defensive backgrounds stand out is who are you making your offensive coordinator what is your staff going to look like who do you want to bring in for Kyler Murray 
to me to me is how how you would stand out as a coaching candidate if you have that defense background because that that's a big part in all this I agree for example once upon a time when Dan Quinn was the head coach in Atlanta who's who was his OC and they went to the Super Bowl Kyle Shanahan if a Dan Quinn was to come in and say you know what we get Kyle Shanahan for the offensive coordinator <laughs> what I'm saying is oh if Dan Quinn looks the decision makers in the eyes and says, I have identified the next Kyle Shanahan, you think that goes a long way? Absolutely it does, right? So I agree with you, Danny. Who exactly is going to be the offensive coordinator and that person who's going to be the next you know, influential person with Kyler Murray? So, yes. There's another subgroup here, though. I think it's former head coaches. I do think they're leaning heavily towards someone who's been there and done that in terms of being a head coach. So that would bring you to Frank Reich, Vance Joseph, Dan Quinn, and of course, Brian Flores, Sean Payton as well. I just don't, I'm not buying the Sean Payton. I'm just, just not yet. So really that's another subgroup, right? Do you think I'm, think I'm correct in that inkling, Darren, in terms of the last two coaches didn't have NFL head coaching experience. They tend to go opposite, go from offense to defense, from players coach to maybe more of a disciplinarian and or non-head coaching NFL experience to former NFL head coach. I will say that I do think I do think the experience as a head coach means something to them. And I would say even further beyond just having the experience of being the head coach, and it kind of goes back to what you were just talking about, Dan Quinn, which is these guys are going to have so many connections in the NFL as being head coaches and being around it that they will have a better sense of who their staffs are going to be as opposed to what the Cardinals went through the last time when Cliff Kingsbury came in and Steve Kime was essentially helping bring in his staff, save for one or two people, sure. uh, so that you know he could have a full staff because Cliff just wasn't connected enough to do that. So I do think finding somebody with experience makes a lot of sense. It seems like that's the direction they're going. I mean, could they bring in a Frank Reich and keep Vance Joseph as defensive coordinator and a lot of those defensive assistants? Theoretically. I, 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 I still do think that is a possibility. I think that Vance did a nice job with the pieces that he had. The thing you have to consider is if Vance feels like he might have opportunities to go elsewhere, maybe if not as a head coach, maybe still as a defensive coordinator, but with the possibility of maybe – higher possibilities, maybe becoming a future head coach somewhere else. I mean, there's a chance that he might not want to stay here if he's going to be passed up for this head coach job. True. Although if he's under contract and they want him as defensive coordinator. Yes, Darren. I mean, just saying. It's the green shirt. But having interviewed but having interviewed for the head coaching position, maybe just maybe they grant him his release. I, I, I To be honest. Considering the circumstances. For me, in, in this circumstance, I, I, I don't – if Vance Joseph gets the head job, then he's here. I, I, don't, I don't know if many of these assistants are staying if Vance Joseph isn't the one getting the head coaching job. That's just usually how it plays out. So front burner, if Dan Quinn indeed is the next head coaching interviewee, whether it's a legit first time or a second time, what are we thinking about Dan Quinn right now? I mean, you're talking about a guy who came in in 21, took a Dallas Cowboys defense that was 28th in scoring D, bottom five in most metrics, turned him into a top five, top 10 defense in almost every metric each of the last two seasons. Yes, they added Micah Parsons, one of the most dominant 
defensive players. But here's a point I made with Craig Grigolo and Kyle Vandenbosch on the Red Sea Report, and that is this team, if they haven't quite figured out how to use Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins just yet, at least how to maximize those two players, former first-round picks, look what Dan Quinn did with Micah Parsons. And the fact that he found a formula, he found a role, a lot of different ways to use a Micah Parsons to make him one of the most feared pass rushers and defenders in the NFL. I'm thinking that Monty Austin Ford and Michael Bidwell are in that meeting room, and if Dan Quinn is talking about, you know what, I can get a lot more out of your two first-round linebackers, one of whom really isn't a linebacker, played the majority of his snaps this year as a slot corner. Uh, guess what? I have something in mind where we can – one plus one equals three with those two guys, I, that that might go a long way in this whole thing. So are you trying to tell me that Isaiah Simmons will no longer be a hybrid? slot corner? You Isaiah Simmons? You can't do that. <laughs> you can't do it. that. That is cheating. What are you talking about? You are, you are leading the witness. I did lead the witness, and I just got Paul Calvisi bingo. Come on, Boo. man. Come on. The question is, what does Paul Calvisi get out of the bingo card? Is there any sort Fine. of... Fine. Name, name your three that you got bingo from. Casa Calvisi. Oh, yes, come I on. have. Yes. And we had the short guy reference two weeks ago. Because <laughs> we didn't have anything come last on. week, right? No. And then Heisen. So we're not going to say what else is on the board because I'm going to make new boards. And we're going to carry over some of these phrases, put in some new ones. So I don't want to give away the other ones. But congratulations. You got bingo, even I, though I think it was cheating. First of all, it wasn't cheating. Have you ever seen A Few Good Men, Danny? No, I just know the famous scene. Isn't that the one where the Edwards like? Yes. Yeah. I I I wasn't. You, is that the, you I, can't handle the truth? Yes, that's the one. I wasn't trying to. I, I I don't have to try and trick Paul into saying he ordered the code red. I just right. let him exactly uh-huh. what he wanted to say. Uh-huh. It's exactly where he wanted to go. Fine, we'll he let wanted it slide to say Isaiah. I don't know if I feel like Jack Nicholson or if I just feel used. I'm not exactly sure how I feel right now. I just do not share the exaltation that Darren just showed. I can tell you that much, though. I, I don't. I don't enjoy that. I'm. I'm too perplexed as to where exactly this head coaching search is going, and what it means for everyone. Well, how, let me ask you this question, Paul. What time frame do you think we're looking at? I mean, we're we're recording this on a Tuesday. Is there going to be a head coach in place at the end of this week? I don't think so. I really See, I don't, don't think so either. I don't think so. Oh, I'm like fifty-fifty. But that's because you're going on vacation. You're worried about FOMO. I'm not worried about FOMO. My vacation, I would be close enough to where I would still come into work Friday. And I, I have would to tell you something. Darren. That place is way far away. It's not exactly like. You know what? We're not going to share my location. No, that's why I said that place. You, you better have a satellite phone where you're going. I'm serious. I, no, I'm serious. I, I would, you haven't been there before. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say. I, I would think if it were to happen this week, it would be on Friday. Next week does seem reasonable to me, but I also think if you have reportedly all these these interviews that you've done, and it's reported that Sean Payton is coming out to Arizona Thursday, if before Sean Payton gets out here, you have an idea who the can your leading candidate is, and you decide after Thursday night it's not going to be Sean Payton, what's to say that they don't call it this cannon on Thursday and we have another press conference Friday? Oh, uh, there's nothing. To, yeah. There's nothing. You're right. But again, this could all be if they okay. want to inter- wait for D'Amico Ryans or but, anything but else. But see, the, for, for me at this point, okay, so we're talking, we, we mentioned Dan Quinn, right? Sure. Where they're saying they're talking to him for a second time. We're not real sure, though, how detailed the first time was. Well, because also, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, had Dallas won, the only teams he would have been, Dan Quinn would have been able to speak to this week would have been teams he had already spoken with. So 
Is that correct? No, my my no, not at all. You can't. I talk don't think coaches the can't talk during the week. I thought if you had already talked to a team, maybe you could maybe, do a follow up. Uh, it, maybe, although but it doesn't. I could be wrong. But, but he he also interviewed and and is thought to be a serious candidate in Denver Dan for everything Quinn? we've heard yes. about the Broncos and Sean Payton. Right. He does have a relationship with George Payton, their GM. Right. And then of course the former defensive coordinator on the team that included Russell Wilson. So he has that existing relationship. I guess my point was. Are you going to be bringing in multiple people for second interviews? Like, if you're going to want to talk to Brian Flores a second time, is it because you know you're going to probably hire Brian Flores? Or are you going to want to talk to a couple of them? It was, it's interesting. Uh, one of the things I did notice today, the Panthers, who have put out a little bit more, obviously the Cardinals have basically been close to the vest. There's been lots of reports out there, but it's there are teams out there saying, we have completed this interview with this person. We have completed this interview with this person. Well, the Panthers put out, that they have now stopped their – they're now moving on to their second round of interviews, okay. meaning they are no longer interviewing for first time, and now they will have second rounds of interviews. But they they could be interviewing two or three guys for a second time. So that to me, that's going to be the question of the timeline because if you're – I could totally see what you said happening, Danny, which is we have a favorite, and if Peyton doesn't do something to change that thought process, that's who we're going with. But if they decide, hey, we're going to bring a p- couple of these guys in for second rounds of interviews, then you're almost forced to go into next week. But, but if you're thinking of this whole thing as musical chairs and the music hasn't stopped yet, meaning no one is yet to make a hire. Is there a rush? Then if there is no rush, why not take your time? If you're not losing candidates, why not double down, do increase your due diligence you know, and maybe just maybe at least two of these teams are saying, you know what, we're going to kick this can down the road until Monday till we can talk to D'Amico Ryans. I have a question for you. For who? I, All of us? Yeah. Okay. So, like, when it comes to the draft and GMs are owner, what are, you know, they're making phone calls to other teams and talking about trading or interest. If you know that another team also has interest in the same head coach, are these GMs and owners making phone calls and say, "Hey, how how close are you? Are you? I mean, do, do those conversations happen?" Oh, I'm sure there's conversations that's where the aging comes in across the league about that's true, what are you hearing. Okay. I don't I don't think you're calling a team and saying, "So, what are you what are you thinking?" That's fair. But I I think I think right. But to know if you're going to be blindsided by a coach getting signed with another team. No, I mean it's there was there was a report there famously there was a report the year the the Cardinals hired um, Bruce Arians. Famously, there was a this the Cardinals were interested in Andy Reid, and there was a report famously that came out that somebody said and I don't remember who the insider was that Andy Reid was like ninety five percent an Arizona Cardinal, and then he never I don't think he ever actually yeah. interviewed or yeah. had a second interview or yeah. whatever. It was a hundred percent erroneous as well, it turned out. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, there's always that chance, and so you you do there's a fine there's a yeah. balance between like hey is this our guy and if he's our guy how hard do we you know and and that's i guess ultimately paul that's a little bit why the Peyton thing is interesting because unless you really feel like he's a possibility i wouldn't think you'd want to delay anything with an interview like that well maybe true you know and 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 maybe you want to talk to everyone else and see if there was still an appetite for Sean Payton cuz remember it's going to be a big check to write it's no, going to be a lot of assets to give up, and you're probably going to have to give up some degree of control if you're Monty Asenfort. So there's a lot to consider there. But if you've been underwhelmed 
by the other candidates, that's maybe what leads you to a Sean Payton. Again, you reverse engineer it. Hey, if we can find the next superstar head coach, then why are we paying both money and assets for Sean Payton? But then if you realize, okay, guess what? None of these candidates really are a slam dunk answer. Okay, let's bring Sean Payton in after all. You're smiling. Are you looking at the screen and reacting? I'm sorry. I've seen some seven-year-old kid getting Super Bowl tickets. I say. That's always nice. So, But once again, if you do believe that a team takes on the identity of the head coach, this could be a totally different operation if, oh, I don't know, Brian Flores came in, who's known as a no-nonsense taskmaster, be a lot different dynamic than a Sean Payton as head coach and what the culture might look like around here versus even a Dan Quinn. I mean, Dan Quinn, I don't know how he's going to be again as a head coach, but just as a defensive coordinator. I mean, you see him standing outside the locker room, you know, congratulating all his guys. you said that about Peyton. See, to me, I I don't think they're necessarily exactly the same, but I think in a lot of ways Peyton and Flores are similar in terms of that. I guess I I don't think of Peyton maybe as um, military as a Brian Flores, I guess. I don't know. Um, and, and I'm guessing that's what the Cardinals try to ascertain with Brian Flores. And here's the other thing with Brian Flores. I'll just throw this out here. What sort of leverage does Flores have? Uh, you know, I don't see any other teams interviewing him for a head coaching gig. Keep in mind, he's suing the entire NFL over charges of racial discrimination and in the hiring practice. So if you're Brian Flores, how confident are you you're going to get another head coaching offer somewhere? Meaning, what's his leverage? I don't see him with the ability to leverage another team against the Cardinals, so maybe the price might be right on a Brian Flores. Remember, there's the business aspect of this as well. This is just me once again thinking out loud. Um, in, I'd in love terms to see Paul Calvisi be a, a, a GM or an owner hiring a head coach. <laughs> I probably wouldn't get out of first gear. Let's be honest on that one. And then D'Amico Ryan's. I mean, what is your appetite for D'Amico Ryan's? Are you willing to wait? Until next week to talk to that's, the Niners' defensive coordinator. The fact, again, the fact you couldn't even touch base with him this past week, that's, that's a tough one. He doesn't have head coaching experience, but he appears to be the next superstar. Like, if there's a 38-year-old without any head coaching experience who could be it, could be that guy, all that, it could be D'Amico Ryan's. And maybe that fits if, if Brian Flores is their guy and you're saying he doesn't necessarily have leverage. Maybe that means the Cardinals have the time. They have the luxury of time to wait it out a week. Agreed. You're right. I mean, who else is offering Brian Flores a head coaching gig? Who else is offering Frank Reich a head coaching gig? No one. Dan Quinn has the Broncos, theoretically. But if the Broncos announce tomorrow with Sean Payton, guess what? Dan Sean Quinn, Payton's not talking here Thursday? <laughs> but he's not only not here, but that doesn't leave Dan Quinn with a lot of options after that so to answer your question do we expect an announcement this week no because i don't think you have to make a decision this week and if you don't have to why especially if you can connect with D'Amico ryan's next week again it all comes down to which we don't really know which is who they all things being equal who they really kind of favor and we just don't know that and we're not going to know that until they make a hire and even then we don't necessarily know 100% for sure. So we think we know the assistant GM is Dave Sears, right? It isn't Maybe. officially, officially, official, but based on the fact that the assistant to the owner of the Detroit Lions confirmed it on the air. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Chris Spielman, I'm guessing Dave Sears is indeed the assistant GM for the Arizona Cardinals in a newly created title at the very least. Well, in that 
that makes me go back to thinking about Vance Joseph. If you're going to go out of house for a GM and an assistant GM, my my gut would tell me you're probably going to do the same when it comes to your new head coach. Yes, I, I could see that. I, I could absolutely see that. The only thing I would say in Vance Joseph's favor is that he obviously has inside knowledge of maybe what needs to be fixed. I'm just putting myself into the interview room somewhere, you know, look, my key pass doesn't get me into the war room and it'll never get me into the interview room when it comes to a head coach. But if you're interviewing head coaching candidates, I'm guessing the conversation with Vance Joseph was at a very advanced level as to what's wrong and what needs to be fixed. I'm naming names. I've got PowerPoints with names up there. Here's who stays. Here's who goes. Here's part of the solution. Here's what I would do based on four years of watching this with a front row seat. He has the advantage there, absolutely. Well, he had the advantage there, but if he, assuming that that was the big part of the conversation when he was doing the interview, that information is now Michael Bidwell's and Mossy, <laughs> Monty Ossenfort's now as well. That's true. And, and, and look, let's, let's not be naive. A lot of these interviews are conducted for information gathering purposes. Yeah. You, you, Which mean, is why the Sean Payton thing could be yeah, interesting. Yeah. Like you, who was the uh, Niners candidate who pulled out uh, Adam Peters for the GM yes, job? Yeah, you can't tell me that John Lynch didn't step in and say, you know, I'd rather you didn't talk to one of our division rivals. So, although I think he he pulled out of a couple, different he did pull ones. out of several. Yes, but uh, you know, no, I get I get what you're saying. So, and you know, maybe it was like, hey, maybe we do want to talk to Sean Payton and hear what he would do with Kyler Murray. Sure, absolutely. So, I mean, once upon a time, he was uh, said to be a fan of Kyla Murray coming out of the draft. Of course, once again, that clip that everyone refers to and puts on social media, that was Sean Payton on the air for an NFL Network. I think Sean Payton is going to get up there and badmouth the Heisman Trophy winner? Probably not. So, you know, what does he really think? You don't truly know based on that clip. That, that's all I'll say. He's not going to get up there and be negative and trash some sort of prospect. Are you saying that social media isn't all real? I'm saying the, the video clip was off uh, a live NFL Network broadcast where I don't remember too many evaluators, head coaches, or GMs trashing incoming prospects, right? So with that in mind, um, you know, you can say that you can cite his quote, you know, that he's a Kyler Murray fan, but you don't know for sure exactly. Let's get back to Isaiah Simmons for just a minute, talk about high draft picks. What is the situation and how soon does Monty Ossonford have to come to a decision on that fifth-year option? It's, it wouldn't be until early May. But when you start talking about things that need to be decided, that, that tends to fall through the cracks a little bit because it, while it, it has to be made, um, and it's not necessarily going to affect this year's team because we're talking about a 2024 salary. Um, so it won't in- impact anything on the cap, but as we've seen in the past, like with, for instance, Hassan Reddick, mm. where they chose not to pick up the fifth-year option, and then you get to the fourth year, and he does really well. You know, if you don't pick up that option, then Isaiah Simmons will be going into the final year of his contract this year. And if you do pick it up, that's you're guaranteeing him ten million dollars for ten plus million dollars for 2024. Gotcha. 
And then if he blow, if you don't pick it up and he blows up in year four, then I guess you always have the franchise tag, right? I guess you do, but, but I then mean that's that's Mondo dollars. Yeah, and th- and that would just be. And again, you you need to figure some of this stuff out. If yeah. and that's the thing is like with Isaiah Simmons and his option is his uh, the team option. By the time you have to make that decision, you will have the coaches in place. You will know whether he's going to be a hybrid player or if he's going to be whatever he's going to be. I mean, the number of people – you brought up Micah Parsons. I mean, the number of fans that still believe that Isaiah Simmons should be used like Micah Parsons or Hassan Reddick, there's a lot of them. Yeah. I'm not so – I'm I'm not in that camp no longer, especially after watching Isaiah Simmons this year. I I just don't think he's a box player, not even close to the way Micah Parsons is. Correct. I am intrigued by Zayvon Collins, though, a little bit. I, I could see that too, especially if Zayvon lost ten pounds. You know, he's a big dude. What if instead of two sixty something, he was more around two fifty? Zayvon Collins could he be deployed like a Micah Parsons? I'm intrigued by that. I'm wondering, excuse me, if when you get this new coaching staff and everyone working together and figuring out what the future is going to look like as free agency approaches in March before the draft. How quickly or are they going to wait and re- really analyze? How quickly are you going to make decisions on Byron Murphy, Zach Allen, all these other players who are entering free agency? Well, I mean, my, my sense of history, history is this. If they want to re-sign Zach Allen, if they want to re-sign Byron Murphy, we're going to know by mid-February? Maybe late February at the latest. The latest. Because if we start getting into March, they're not. They, there's no reason for them to sign until they hit free agency and see what they can get. I wonder if you're the player and it's mid-February, why not wait another month? If you're Zach Can't Allen, Byron Murphy. Can't get hurt in right? that time. Why not wait another month and see what my value is on the open market? And let's face it, the reality is is they already know. They're already going to have a good sense of what their worth yep. is going to be on the open yep. market. Yep. Now, the the decision of some sort that might come sooner than we think, at least based on the report that Monty Ford is meeting with DeAndre Hopkins. Could we get an answer on that somewhat quick? We might not know the answer, but the Cardinals and team D-Hop might know, because remember D-Hop is not only the player, he's the representative, he is the agent, he is his own guy. Hence, you have the GM not calling D-Hop's agent, there is none, but meeting with the man himself especially after he posted the picture on social media with the words forever grateful, dot, 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 seemingly a goodbye to the Arizona Cardinals. So what does that mean? It's possible that we get some sort of official notification that the Cardinals are open to trading DeAndre Hopkins before the draft. And and what kind of trade can you do to get maybe draft capital? But I also would think that they're probably not in a rush to do so. If they don't feel like they're going to get the right offer, the Cardinals, why why would you rush that when you would have all offseason into the beginning of next year? Well, part of your issue is going to be there's two full two two pronged to this, and it is who who's looking for the trade? Is it the team? Is it the player? Is it both? Is it neither? Um, DeAndre Hopkins is a no trade clause, so he can veto whatever he wants. But DeAndre Hopkins is also going to want a new deal. He, right now, on his contract, has no more guaranteed money. He's a $30 million cap hit this year. So if you're going to keep him, 
I think he's going to want, and he wants to stay, he's still going to want a new contract. And and if he's traded, the dead cap hit is like $23 million. Yes, 22 and a half, something like that. Um, and if, if he's staying, you probably want to lower that cap number. Yep. So I think some decisions have to be made early because you've got to figure out what, what direction all that goes. And do we think, if it is true that Hopkins is interested in a trade, do we think that majority of that decision has come from Kyler Murray will likely be missing the first couple games of next season with his ACL recovery and you don't really know what the team's going to look like and if this is someone who it was made clear in hard knocks is trying to not only win but get that hall of fame ballot I mean do you think that that is a large driving factor behind this I mean I do if you're looking at a rebuild you know some players fit that scenario and some don't and so especially if you can still sell high on DeAndre Hopkins and he still commands a first-round pick, Which for example. Which I think you can still sell high on I, him. I believe so as well. I mean, Chase Claypool got like a second-round pick last year from the Bears. We're talking DeAndre Hopkins. Look at some of the teams out there and how desperate they would be to add an elite wide receiver after what Tyreek Hill just did for Miami. I mean, if you're the New York Giants right now, how valuable is an elite number one wide receiver going forward? If you're, I mean, think if you're Tennessee right now, after they screwed up the AJ Brown, they need a number one wide receiver. There's at least a half dozen teams you can make a real case that that's their biggest need this offseason. And as we all know, rookie first round receivers are hit and miss, and a lot of them are real slow to get traction. This is a guy who's plug and play. This is all true. But again, if you get him, you're talking about a 30 plus year old receiver that is going to want a new contract. So we'll see. I tend to think there is a fit out there and somebody would be willing to give up that first-round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. It was funny, though, when he posted the picture with forever grateful dot, 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 and not long after that, the Cardinals tweeted out a highlight video of D-Hop. I'm like, wow, is this like a two-man game here? They're uh, making it known that, A, he could be available, that his time in Arizona is done, and, B, look what he's capable of doing, everyone. There should be a trade market for this player. I almost wonder if there was like a... Come on, Paul. I mean, I, I, you know... No. May, maybe there was a meeting before the meeting, and they, no. they, they, they hashed out you a... You know that our content team has season. been putting out footage of multiple players and game-changing plays. Mm, okay. Come on. Right, just, uh, you know, it wouldn't be Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation without a good conspiracy theory. Just throwing <laughs> that out there. A little bit. Okay. Just uh, wondering. What other big off-season decisions... Is Monty Asifort, in addition to trying to learn about a million names as the new guy in the job as he walks around the building, what else? And conducting head coach interviews and moving his family out to, to a new state cross country. Um, what else is, is, is front burner on his desk in that GM office right now? You got the DeAndre Hopkins, right? You have Isaiah Simmons. Uh, what, I guess you got to figure out your staff. What exactly would be the future of a couple of VPs and Adrian Wilson and Quentin Harris? I'm guessing that has to be decided, right? And also, once you get your staff, what what kind of what are your schemes going to look like? What kind of defense are you running? Because that's going to determine draft priorities. Or what you're doing with the guys here. You talked about Zayvon Collins being on the outside. You talked about Isaiah Sims is going to be. If you somehow decide to change to a four-three base. Mm. What does that do to some of your guys? What does that do to My Sanders, My Sanders, Cam Sanders Cam or Cam Thomas? Yeah, exactly. Same wavelength, Darren. It's the green shirt. Obviously. Danny's on the same wavelength with uh, Kyle Vandenbosch, who pointed out earlier today, yes, he, you can't make any of these personnel moves until you have your coordinators in place. You know what schemes you're running because you've got to find the right personnel to fit the scheme. 
Kyle also commented on my gray, green shirt, too. So. <laughs> no, he, you he, should wear it more often. I just got it. I know. I'm just saying. All right, I'm, By the way, I learned that Drew Stanton during commercial breaks was doing impersonations of Pauly Pencilneck over here. So that I don't appreciate. Wait, I thought you said it was you and Kyle. and Craig. It was. Last week, though, apparently Drew Stanton was impersonating me like Frank uh, Caliendo. Should we give them bingo cards for a Red Sea going report? on over there? That's, uh, that's not cool in any fashion. Uh, anybody have a gut feeling as to the final four, the NFC and AFC championship games? And I bring that up because Vegas has all four teams with almost equal odds of winning the Super Bowl. This is tough, but some employees in our content department since the playoffs have been voting on teams, basically doing like a bracket, essentially, of like, who do we think is going to win? And... Just I'm, guesstimating. Let's make that very clear. You're just you're just guessing. throwing things out there. Yeah, yeah. no, there's no, there's no. We don't have inside knowledge. There's no money on the line. There's uh, just, nothing. That's just making sure. Yeah, everybody, come on. It's pride. You're not buying any squares. No, there's nothing being put in. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Um. So I made my decisions today. If okay. you were curious, which right. it sounds like drum you are. roll, please. Cincinnati. Okay. In San Francisco. Mm. Well, you're half right. <laughs> Which half do I write? That Eagles front that had 70 sacks this year, I think they finally make Brock Purdy look like a rookie. Okay, that that was the one I had to wait a couple of days to, to make my decision. That's, but I'm with you on Cincinnati. <laughs> the Joe Burrow experience, it is extremely real. And after what that offensive line did, and after what that defensive coordinator dialed up, Lou Amarillo, what is that? Anyway, it's not Amarillo, but that's uh, Something <laughs> like that. I got it in here somewhere. I mean, that that defense was on point, that, that Bengals defense. So, um, And you know what? They're fueling themselves. They're smelling themselves in Cincinnati. Uh, they, they, yes. have, they are full of confidence right now. Especially Eli Apple. Yes, he is. So what was his quote? It was never close was the Eli Apple quote after the game. Of course, it wasn't close, 27-10. And then uh, got to love the Joe Burrow after the game with the uh, sideline reporter, Tracy Wilson. Better get those refunds sent out. From Joe Burrow about the neutral site AFC. That that was not unlike Chris Collinsworth back in the day firing up an Arizona Cardinals team on their run to the 2008 Super Bowl. Can I ask a question, though? Yeah, go ahead. If you're going to hold a neutral site championship game yep. in Atlanta, let's say, yeah. don't you got to start selling the damn tickets? Do you have to send out the press release, though, that trumpets the fact you sold 50,000 tickets in 36 hours? We had to we had to start sell we had to sell playoff tickets home playoff tickets or whatever when I, I just I think it was the publicity around the sale uh, whatever of the tickets. here's what it is it's these whiny athletes who always say <laughs> uh, they always get disrespected yeah. in some way shape or form which is probably really smart that they find any little reason to but I'm like okay the 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 quote unquote disrespect is is amazing that you can find if you're a pro athlete. So I put it to you, senior writer, lead writer for azcardinals.com, mm-hmm. Senor D. Herb, if you were the commissioner, Darren Urban, yes. would you or would you not seriously consider neutral site no. conference championship no. games? Based on? Absolutely not. Based on, what do you mean based on? I, I agree with Why you. would you change it? No, I agree with you, and it's based on. Based on what? If, if based on. Our own experience here in the AZ, the Philadelphia oh, no. Eagles NFC Championship game was such an 
unbelievable sporting experience, top three all-time for me personally. And the vibe and atmosphere in that building was unlike any other I've ever experienced in that stadium, that unless I experienced that, I might be might be willing to consider neutral site championship games unless I had been part of one, at least as the sideline reporter and in that building. Okay. And I think if you have been in that building and experienced Which you're I like, was, and it was amazing. no chance, non-starter. Okay, so here's my thought on that, okay? One, you're not going to make any more money at a neutral site game. I don't think, unless you're just going to... I think you make more for the rest of the owners. It's spread across the league, whereas the team hosting... That uh, championship game gets a sure? pretty large percentage of the proceeds. Uh, I, I guess as the but, host team. I mean, I all I've heard my entire life, and especially like the last thirty years, is how relatively sterile the Super Bowl is compared to every other NFL game. Why would we want more of that? What What's the point of that? And and the other the other point I would make is. The whole deal, your whole season is like you're trying to earn these home field advantage. What what's the point of if if getting a high seed, all it means is you get potentially one buy. Oh, and by the way, they took that away for all but one team now. Mm-hmm. What what's the point of just qualify? I mean, I, I just I think it's stupid. I think you keep talking about how this game is for your fans, and then you want to do more stuff, whether it's taking games to international venues or taking games uh, to making a championship game at, at a neutral site. I just, I mean, you, if you're a team and you're asking the, your, your fan base to invest in all these season tickets, including in the bad years, how do you not have that as a, as a carrot that if your team is really good that you could be hosting an NFC championship? And you said it yourself. And unfortunately, Danny wasn't born yet. But when we were in that <laughs> NFC championship game, that was an amazing, amazing night. Yes. Go off, Darren. Well, Retweet. I guess my two-word answer would be growing revenues. That's always the ultimate goal of the okay. NFL. Well, then then let's... You, you start moving the draft all around, and I'm guessing it's a bidding process, and teams or cities are willing to pony up cash to host the NFL draft. And, and that's, again... Could you do the same thing theoretically? And they might do that, and, and whatever. And and if that's what they do, that's fine. Let's, let's call it what it is then, yeah. and it's that we don't care about anything but making more money, and okay. And look, I'm just throwing it out there because because the other problem is the other problem you're going to have with that, Paul, is are you going to try and at least with Atlanta, they try to figure out something that was somewhat equidistant. Right. Yeah. If you start talking about, oh, well, we could move this around. I'm like, so what happens if you end up having one team having to travel cross country and the other one has to travel like 500 miles? That's that's inherently wrong. And what if Lambo ponies up the most money, mm-hmm. but it's going to be sub-zero? Yeah. And the two teams in the NFC Championship are Tampa and Arizona. And you're like, wait a minute. Why are we playing a conference championship game and it's three below when we could be playing in Phoenix and it's 70 degrees or in Tampa where it's 72 degrees? Danny, do you have any strong feelings about this? <laughs> no, I think you covered it all. I agree with you. <laughs> what? Danny's got bigger issues right now. Which is what, Paul? Well, I mean, you're trying to make sure you're trying to get inside info as to when exactly the head coach announcement's going to be made. Guys, I am going to be okay. near the office right. no, you're during not. the hour. I am. I am. I'm not leaving till late Friday afternoon, and the, I will be in town on Monday. 
By the way, Danny, you missed out on a glorious opportunity to return fire at Darren when you cited and complimented his brand new long sleeve green shirt. She never complimented it. Did you ask him whether he was renting it or does he own it? You didn't ask him that. I mean, I thought I was waiting for that. I really was. Where's my bingo card? Because that's I'm gonna get a bingo card for the you two know of what? you. <laughs> That was that was good. Yeah. I don't I don't have a rebuttal for you. <laughs> I'm not gonna say I don't have I don't have anything. All right, last to say. question. By the time we do the next edition of Cardinals Underground early next week, will there or will there not be a Cardinals head coach in place? Danny, go. Yes. Okay, Darren. No. All. I say yes. I say it'll be Take next. That, Darren. I say it'll be next Tuesday morning before Cardinals Underground. Oh, tricky. Take and that, that. And that'll do it for this edition. Brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.